Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. You're listening to Kate Shimarani on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hey, so here we are. Top of the hour. You've, first of all, flown the skies with our first guest on my show, Kate Shimarani, Natural Nurse in a Toxic World for TNT Radio Live. And uh, if you're all scared of flying now, or even believe that any of it's true, it's time to get a camper van, folks. Um, you know, I am that old. Yes, I've been cabin crew, but I've also been a nurse since 1984. So if you're just joining us for the second hour of my show on Saturday, the 2nd of March, we're talking nurses now because this has been the rest of my life uh, of being a nurse. Now, in the UK, um, we've seen it hit the press that the MHRA knew on the 6th of September 2020 and on the 9th of December 2020. First of all, that that Oxford AstraZeneca shot, that bioweapon, caused, I believe it was transverse myelitis in the September, and by the December, it was causing thrombocytopenia and thrombosis. And when you treated those patients with heparin, when they pitched up at the emergency room, it reacted with the shot and killed the patients. And they knew about it, so what did they do? They rolled out 30 million doses across the UK and another 200, I think it was 200 when we went off to America. So they don't care about you. Now, the bit that got me through all of this was if the scientists knew and they told the MHRA, then as you come down the chain of command, who is actually seeing it, the feet on the ground? Who's seeing what's going on? Who's seeing the, the kind of fallout of what's going on? Well, the doctors and the nurses would be seeing it. Um, we know that ultimately lots of elderly died, well, they did in the UK, at the hands of the nurses and the doctors with the protocols that came down from government. And we also know that a lot of nurses and doctors and pharmacists took 30 pieces of silver and worked at these vaccine centers and vaccine buses and everything else. And I, I find it really difficult uh, to, to, to talk calmly or kindly about a lot of my dancing fat colleagues. Yes, I have said that because We've seen them dancing on TikTok videos in hospitals that were supposed to be overflowing with COVID patients, but they had time to do entire dance routines, entire dance routines. I'm a dancer. And I, I found this really difficult to, to accept. Now, in the UK also, we have seen a documentary uh, come drama. I think it's a docudrama, they call it, called breathtaking. <laughs> You're damn right it was breathtaking because they did steal the breath of many a patient. And um, we're all supposed to believe that out when these doctors and nurses and try to save people's lives, and then there's a scene in there where they're not allowed to do cardiopulmonary resuscitation on a patient because they only had plastic aprons. 
They didn't have the right PPE gear, so they had to let them go. They had to let the patients just, you know, just let them go. Um, it's quite difficult to watch. And as I said to all of the nurses collectively from Trafalgar Square, do not do the government's dirty work. Do not do their dirty work. There's a time in history when the doctors and the nurses were hanged, and they were. And I said, now is the time to get off that bus and stand with us, the people. Well, nurses came out and lobbed their uniforms over the gates of parliament. They didn't come out, incidentally, to stand by their colleagues that were all dismissed in the nursing homes because they wouldn't take the COVID shots. And they all quickly scurried off back to work when they found out they didn't need to have the COVID shot when they were first told they were going to lose their jobs. Now, they all went back to work and resumed their duties. Now we have to watch the nurses and the doctors striking. Doctors striking and getting paid 2K per day, 2,000 per day to cover the shifts for the other doctors and consultants striking but still being allowed to go and work privately. It's very hard for the public to trust the doctors and nurses. People are terrified. They're terrified to go into the hospitals. Um, I've seen it firsthand with my own child recently. I call it the National Homicide Service, the NHS, guaranteed to get you to your final destination at a fraction of the cost, <laughs> quicker than any other form of transport. But in, in the UK, we're moving to a system like America. Now, I've had guests on here who've talked about chemotherapy and how much money they make. Your body is the commodity. And it's very, very difficult. Who, who do you trust? You know, nurses are portrayed as angels. Do they not advocate for the patient? Are they not the stopgap to stop harm, to do everything that needs to be done for those patients to aid them to a full recovery or a dignified pain-free death? Well, that's what I thought. But I came into nursing in 1984 and I can tell you that's not what happens. It's not what you think. And it's not a new thing either. It's not a new thing what's happening now. It's always happened. It's just the mask is off. And many nurses are speaking up and they're getting struck off. They're getting fired. Uh, many nurses actually are leaving. They just can't do it. They don't want to do it anymore. We in the UK have got lots of overseas nurses coming in. I can't even understand their English. I'm sorry if that's offensive, but I'm just telling you the truth. And they are coming in and covering the positions. And then I look at the whole thing and I think, what, what is it to be a nurse anymore? When are we just pimps and assassins? Because if we look at America, um, we know that they had budesonide, which would cost, what, 30-odd dollars and had a 100% success rate and patients recovered and went home. But they didn't give them that. They were to be given remdesivir, which has over 53% mortality rate, death rate, costs about $3,000, but that was the drug to be used. And if every hospital used it, they then got 20% discount on all their other drugs. So it's very lucrative to use a drug that over half of the patients would die. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being a nurse in one of these scenarios and thinking, this is not right. This is not right what I'm seeing. This is not right. Where do I go? Who do I tell? 
how do I stand up for my patients? Some nurses did try. And what happened to those nurses? Well, I can tell you what happened to those nurses in 1933. The ones that wouldn't go along with the Nazi party, they wouldn't take the full Reichmark and tell where the disabled children were or the disabled babies. Um, they were fired. And other nurses that did job in where those patients could be found got a further full Reichmark when those patients were collected up and disposed of, guillotined, guillotined in the basements of town halls. Isn't that horrific? And then they were starved or given a, co a cocktail of drugs to finish them off, or they were left outside to die of exposure. There were always nurses that would do it. And there are many nurses that will do it today. And they're not speaking up. And it's very frightening that the nurses that do speak up are silenced. Well, one such nurse is my guest today, Gail McRae. And she's not just a nurse, she's a mom. She's a mother, she's a wife. She's got two children. And we, we've, we've all heard the stories of the nurses speaking up, but I, I wanna get behind, I wanna get behind that uniform. I want to find out what makes some nurses different. What makes what makes a nurse who really has a vocation and what makes a nurse who just sees it as a job and doesn't really care. Gail, welcome to the Kate Shimarani show on TNT Live. It, it's lovely to have you here. I've heard you speak. You were working in the labor and delivery sweet for 10 years is that correct when did you enter do you know just tell us we, we, we we've heard so many nurses we've seen nurses crying tell us why why did you go into nursing yeah thank you so much for having me kate and uh although i did spend some time in labor and delivery a majority of my career was actually in the acute care setting uh, I, I graduated from nursing school with a bachelor's degree in science and an RN in 2011. And I immediately went into ICU, which is intensive care, critical care. And I worked in an, uh, an open heart critical care unit for um, about a, nine months. Uh, and then I transitioned uh, into telemetry. My uh, ultimate goal was to become a certified nurse midwife which in the United States is a nurse practitioner. So we have a um, full scope of practice um, with a similar um, standing as the doctors in the United States. We have, uh, we can prescribe and we have um, independent um, practitioner authority. So I actually completed that degree uh, before the uh, ma mandate came out. Uh, to take the COVID vaccines, but uh, we had to, in addition to the technical aspects of the education, we also had to complete about 700 hours of clinical uh, um, experience. And I had been accepted into multiple clinical sites, which were all uh, actually in fact revoked uh, after I had made it clear that I would not be taking the COVID-19 vaccine. Um, in addition to me um, giving them that information that I would not take it, I also presented them with 
uh, blood um, lab results of confirmed natural immunity and uh, about 75 peer-reviewed clinical trial studies showing that natural immunity was superior to a vaccine. So uh, I was discriminated against. Uh, I was prohibited from becoming a practitioner and a, and a nurse midwife. Uh, and, and I was also fired from my, from my job. Uh, I'd been working for Kaiser Permanente, uh, which is one of the largest healthcare providers in the United States. Uh, I'd been working for them since 2015. So it was over, it was over six years. I'd been working for them with an outstanding record when they fired me. Uh, I was definitely, uh, in the realm of an expert nurse. Uh, in addition to that, I had had the graduate degree education, so uh, it was really, it, it was really quite, in in my professional opinion, um, a massive mistake uh, by the medical community to uh, remove people like myself from the ranks. Because in addition to having the education, I also had the experience to really protect patients, which is what I had done my entire career. So Gail, may I just say, so that's quite, so this is what we heard in the first half of my show. You know, they, they are getting rid of pilots, air traffic controllers. They're not passing the medicals um, or they're getting sick or they wouldn't have the COVID shot, they get fired. So you've got a load of inexperienced people now in the job. So yeah. what, what the public are left with then is inexperienced nurses, uh, inexperienced staff. And you're st you and I both know this, you know, when, when, when you've got a nurse who's worked in an area for years and years, she's, she's worth 10 doctors. She's, Correct. yeah, this is quite, so patients are getting shortchanged. They're getting shortchanged. And de when you got fired, what did your colleagues do? Did, did, some of them were they fearful did they did they stick up for you did they say well this is ridiculous we're going as well or did they keep quiet or, or was it a whole you know I, I have to say I always say for every goodness there's 10 bad ones I'd stick several zeros on that now I, I was utterly yeah. disgusted of what I've seen yeah so in addition to uh I'm not sure how it is in the UK but in American hospitals during COVID Medical staff were very targeted by propaganda, mm. uh, and we were uh, essentially victims of brainwashing just as the public were, but part of that included really uh, making us feel so fearful that we couldn't trust ourselves or each other. So there was a lot of divisiveness in the hospital, and a lot of the practitioners even wouldn't have normal conversations with each other. Like we were kind of prohibited from, you know, they we were discouraged from sharing the break room together because of potential for, you know, exposing each other to our patients' uh, germs and whatever else uh, stories they made up, just like how they would make up stories about how we couldn't give patients um, albuterol treatments when they were in respiratory distress because it would potentially um, aerosolize the virus and, you know, increase transmissibility. I mean, it, and this is the, this was the pattern like you had mentioned with, um, with budesonide and remdesivir, it's really extraordinary how these medical 
uh, facilities, these these agencies would just create protocols and and uh, you know rationale for pushing um, unethical. Uh, behaviors in medical staff. And I'll add to that, in addition to, um, you know, the medical staff who are left being inexperienced, they are also the unethical uh, practitioners. Because really, it was only the courageous and ethical practitioners who, at the end of, of the day, would stand up and, uh, and, and very sternly say, no, I will not allow you to treat my patients this way. And I will not allow you to remove my uh, bodily sovereignty, you know, and my own uh, ability to say no to an experimental product. So uh, it, it's really a double edged sword that the patients are now up against is, you know, a lack of, of um, expert practitioners, as well as practitioners without critical judgment and without ethics and a backbone to do the right thing, even when it's hard. Wow. Uh, Gail, look, you know, I'm going to bring you the truth here. And I know you can handle the truth because you're all in the natural nurse army. And there's only one way to guarantee that you don't go in these, these centers for killing, because this is what's happening now. And that's by looking after your own health. Folks, don't go away go and get yourself a drink and then get back in here as fast as you can uh get on the shop get buying we need you to you know keep funding this because we are giving you uncensored news we'll be back right after the break and a word from our sponsors you're listening to me kate shamarani for tnt live tnt's tyler nixon i think uh with the people behind her the never trumpers and the money flowing in Whatever their end game is, it doesn't seem that she'll be dropping out even if she loses her, her own state, which uh, kind of gives you a sense of the arrogance of power of people who back uh, the Nikki Haley's of the world where the popular uh, support, popular consent doesn't really doesn't really mean anything to them. They're going to they're going to continue forward uh, seeking that power, putting themselves in, themselves in the mix, regardless of uh, how many spankings or smackdowns they get from. Uh, from the uh, citizens, you know, from the electorate, uh, who are obviously minor, you know, just a sort of a speed bump in the, in the uh, path, in the quest for uh, power. Tyler Nixon on today's News Talk TNT. Eggs. You can fry them, scramble them, poach them, boil them, or race them on a spoon. But uncooked eggs can be a risk for food poisoning. To be safe, avoid buying dirty or cracked eggs. Always wash your hands after handling eggs. And if you're concerned, pregnant, elderly, or have a poor immune system, make sure you cook eggs until the yolk starts to firm. Or look for new pasteurized eggs. For excellent eggs, handle them safely. You are about to, about to hear today's news talk and the voice of freedom. That's what this country is all about. TNT Radio. Happy campers. We're back on TNT Live. And I like to cover all the meat and potato topics, as you know. Well, we've been in the skies with pilot Alan and what he's been telling us. So we've got inexperienced pilots. Uh, we've got them in the control tower. They've had vaccines. Uh, it's okay when you've got loads of crew up there. It's when you've got just the one bloke in the helicopter and he's coming down over the houses. Yeah, that's quite worrying, isn't it? And we know all about these shots. And now we're talking to a nurse and 
we're talking about well we're going to be talking about everything of, of why they did it right from the dancing why they couldn't see the lie what makes one nurse say no and another nurse say uh, i'll go along with it i'll do it and really the best the best advice i could give all, all of you because you are the natural nurse army is you've got to make sure that you don't end up in one of these places you've got to look after your health and make sure that you you really don't go in there unless it's for an emergency that's that's all i can say to you well we're talking to gail mccray a very experienced nurse and she wouldn't take the covid shot and she lost her job because of it and and what we were talking about just before the break was um you know how how the propaganda and how the nurses weren't allowed to go on the breaks together um, how they were um, brainwashed. And I, ha I have to disagree with a lot of you nurses at this point because you're supposed to be quite smart. You're supposed to have gone through the schooling system and at least got some qualifications. Some You're sp supposed to have left school with, with some amount of critical thinking. You're supposed to have gone through nursing college and um, know something really about... I don't believe that you can catch a cold or anything like that. N nothing. But you're supposed to have some brain. Yeah, I saw I saw you. I saw I saw what you were doing. I saw that you were wearing a little mask. And then I saw that you would go shopping in your uniforms. And let's face it, if it was a pandemic, like what they were saying, you'd have been in full hazmat suits. You wouldn't have been around your local supermarket wearing your dirty, filthy scrubs. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't have been doing any of that. So it's almost like somebody took your brains out as well. And I do believe a lot of you just went along with it because you thought about, well, a lot of you have said it. You thought about your mortgages. People say, oh, she's so harsh, that Kate Shamarani, naturalist in a toxic world. Yeah, I'm harsh because I'm sorry, but justice must be done and justice must be seen to be done. And if you've hastened to death with benzodiazepines and opioids, and taken away all food, water, and essential medication, and you've signed your signature for how much you've given them, good. I hope you all get caught. I hope you all stand trial. No clemency. That's what I That's what I think. I think if you've taken a life, euthanasia is illegal. It's illegal in the UK. So if you've hastened to death, it's murder. I hate to bring it to you. And it does tell you in your code of professional conduct, you're toward her to the laws in the country of which you practice. So the last time I looked, murder is not allowed and you're not above the law. But um, Gail, what, what do you think made you say, I'm not doing that, I'm not doing it and, I, and I'm not gonna let that happen to my patients. What made you different to everyone else? Well, it was definitely an asset that I had my hands all over the clinical data. Uh, being in graduate school during the uh, clinical trials, I really delved into all of the evidence and it was very clear to me that there were uh, higher numbers of adverse events in the vaccination group in the Pfizer first six month clinical trial versus the, um, the placebo. And uh, so the like you said, I used my brain and saw what was happening. But in addition to that, uh, I was raised in a family of three 
And my mom and dad homeschooled us uh, throughout most of high school. I actually started attending the local junior college when I was about 15 and applied college credits to complete my um, my uh, high school diploma, or I think you, you call it secondary school. Uh, so it really... Uh, change the way that I engage in the world. Uh, I remember being in high school and really feeling like I was different. And I looked around me and I, I was able to recognize that my peers, uh, they were very uh, dependent on acceptance into their peer groups. Mm. And so I recognized that I didn't have that same support because I was homeschooled. And so I learned how to develop a very strong sense of self. And I didn't care. I learned to not care what other people thought about me and about the choices I made. And it was interesting because in the hospital setting uh, during COVID, it really felt like I was back in high school again. I noticed and I recognized the same trends in my colleagues in that they were so concerned about fitting in that they wouldn't allow themselves to question the narrative. So even when the evidence was put right in front of them, because over and over again, I would do that. I would walk into work and I would have conversations with COVID. Hey, we are all sitting here at the station recognizing that remdesivir is not helping our patients and that we're watching them continue to decline. Why are we administering this antiviral when we were taught in our um, in our programs that you don't administer an antiviral three days post-symptom onset. And now we're giving this mm. antiviral to patients who are mostly between eight and 10 days post-symptom onset. So there was no logic or sense. And yet I would watch my colleagues just crumble under those questions and really refuse to acknowledge them. Uh, they were, and again, I, I would say that it, it really com comes back to lacking that strength of character uh, when people needed that strength of character most during this fearful time of pandemic, uh, they were they were accepting of protocols because they didn't want to stand out. And I agree with you also, there was also the component of not uh, being able to pay the mortgages. Although I do, um, having made the choice that I made and in, in reflection on that choice, I had mortgages too. And I will... I will tell you that making that choice to do what was right rather than what I was afraid of losing, uh, I really took back possession of my own soul. And that's something that I think that my colleagues are missing is that when you make choices out of fear, you really are selling your soul. You're doing something that's unethical in out of fear, right? And you, you just, you end up losing that component of eth of ethics that makes you who you are as a divine human being on this planet. So it, not for one second have I regretted that choice that I've made. Um, and in addition to that, I've moved on to so many bigger and better things. And my family is blessed because of it as well. My children, they've watched me make that choice. They've watched me say, no, I will not allow these organizations to force me to behave unethically. I, I will stand up. Hey, so Gail, can we just call it what it is here? You see, we talk about ethics, ethical. We're talking about, we're talking about making a decision here to keep our gob shut while they murder patients with a drug 
that shouldn't be used after the first 48 hours. They're then using it. Yeah, you have to use it within the first 48 hours of of symptoms. They're using it later. They're seeing patient after patient die. So they know it's not working. So uh, what we're talking about here was these patients were being slaughtered. And the hospitals in America were getting 20% discount on all of their drugs if they used remdesivir. Yeah, it's they very well being, known. They were also being incentivized. Yeah. They cash would, cash uh, for corpses. Cash for corpses. And these weren't just elderly people. We're not, listen, not even saying elderly aren't worth it. These were younger people. I, I, I can't get my head around this because I'm not, I'm not going to kill anybody. And if I keep seeing the same thing happening over and over again, first time you're going to be like, that didn't end well. Second time you're like, well, that didn't end well again. What, what's the one thing that is in common here? When it happens a third time, you're going to say, you, you've got to stop doing this. You've got to stop doing this. So for me to see them just doing it and doing it, there, there's a few things at play here. One is it's murder. It's murder. And to keep their mouth shut, they're complicit in a crime. The second thing is, is it because they're just following protocols or is it also because we're giving these, and I know I'm talking about UK nurses here, we're giving them too much credit because I've met a lot of stupid nurses in my time, a lot of stupid nurses. They don't even know the drugs that they're giving. You're supposed to know I'm a trained and qualified independent nurse prescriber. And Gail, you've gone on and you've said that you became a practitioner. You're supposed to know the drug that you're giving. You're supposed to know the side effects of it, the interactions of it, the dosages. You're meant to know everything about that drug. Otherwise, you're not supposed to give it at all. You can't go and work in a clinical area and go and work in a completely different clinical area with different drugs and give them. You've got to know the drugs. I presume it's the same in America. So I think I think I think a lot of these nurses are given far too much credit. I think they just like they're just assassins. They're just going along with it all. And this is what we've seen through history. And yeah, it's very frightening. The propaganda was so strong. I I I was afraid at first. Um, You know, before uh, in in February, March of 2020, I was uncertain uh, what all of the hubbub was. Uh, But then the data came out in May of 2020. uh, What were you afraid of? What were you afraid of? Well, they were saying that there was a 35%, potentially a 35% mortality rate for people who were infected at the very beginning. Did you see that everywhere? Never. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, folks, but I didn't see, I didn't see, thirty-three percent of my neighbours dead. I didn't, yeah. I didn't. I tell you what, I saw elderly being murdered, but I, I didn't see, I didn't see, I didn't see a pandemic. I'm sorry, right. I saw no evidence of a pandemic. Yeah. Anyway, I saw a lot of dancing nurses and empty hospitals. 
Yeah, and, and in addition to uh, the lack of seeing the evidence, uh, as far as what I saw personally, by uh, May of 2020, so that was in two months, within two months of the lockdown, Stanford had released a uh, study uh, that showed that the death rate was right around 1%, which was comparable to the annual influenza. So that was, that was really when it all ended for me, and I... Uh, begin very strongly advocating against lockdowns, against the mask mandates. And uh, I started speaking publicly in our town hall meetings with uh, the representatives of my county and uh, trying to inform the public about what was happening. Unfortunately, it did fall on deaf ears, I'm sure, as it was in Australia and the UK. Uh, the, the public was very... Um, they were very transfixed on the narrative of, you know, the fear of this being such a deadly virus that even the data that was coming out proving that it wasn't, wasn't sufficient to overcome the mental strain of the fear control mechanism that had really taken a toll on all of us during that time. It's, it was very sad to watch. You're very, you're very kind, Gail. You're very kind because you see, I, I, oh, I am natural nurse of a toxic without telling it like it is. And uh, I saw it as, a, as an absolute, it was a test of, of stupidity. When I saw people in my local supermarket with swimming snorkels on and uh, big rubber gloves, um, what else did I say? I, uh, they would have, you know, ridiculous things. And then you'd see someone with a handkerchief or I'd go into a piece of plexiglass. Uh, and yeah. and the fact that, you know, the, this virus only came out when the pubs were closing. We call them pubs in the UK. It hung around and hid behind lampposts and trees and waited for revelers to come out to get them. And, and so, um, you know, I, I found it, it was almost, well, I think some of it was stupidity and sadly a lot of it was people went along with it because it was easier to go along with it than to speak out. And they thought that by keeping their heads down and their mouths shut, it would all go away. Well, I hate to tell you folks, old Tedros the terrorist and the World Health Organization, they have other plans. Because if you think that they've uh, done all of this to not unleash the next one on us, um, they're going to they're going to go for it again, and I know that in in the UK we have over thirty percent nurses from overseas, and they come in and they get their rent paid for a couple of months. They get a big cash incentive. They get to bring all their dependents, and quote they do as they're told. They won't question because they know that they'll get dismissed, so they'll just go along with it. And also these guidelines that come down from government um they they are that their guidelines to kill so one has to ask why why what what is a nurse what is a nurse what, what i i never went into it. i listen i got out of it i i wouldn't work for the nhs i'd seen enough but why are why are people entering this job are they entering it because of the status, because of the salary? What is it? It's certainly not for the love of their fellow man, because I think it's a profession that certainly attracts a lot of cruel people. 
and we see evidence of that continually. Um, so look, we'll we'll hold that there, and we're going to go for the break. And and folks, listen, any of you can be a nurse. All you got to do is is have love and compassion for somebody who can't do for themselves because they're sick. You just got to have compassion and empathy. And you know what? You you don't need someone to teach you how to feed them, how to clean them, how to care for them. That should come from within. But a word from our sponsors, get shopping, get in the shop. Think about, you know, all of your loved ones. You shouldn't be shoving them in a nursing home. You should be looking after them yourself. And we'll be right back. TNT Radio Live. TNT's Mark Morano. Brain implants. Are you ready to have your thoughts read, your mood altered? It's not science fiction. It's not some realm of the future. It's here. It's now. And it's not spectacular. In the case of Emily, the patients actually can record themselves and we're able to analyze it. If I had crippling depression was suicidal, I'm not going to turn down a treatment like this. I'm not knocking someone for doing that. What I'm saying is this is really on the edge of a brave new world, especially given corporate government collusion, the great reset goal of taking away freedom, democracy, private property. One of the tenets of the great reset from the World Economic Forum is you will have no privacy and life will never be better. Mark Morano on today's News Talk TNT. Next time you think you can illegally handle your mobile phone while driving and get away with it, think again. Phone detection cameras are in operation on New South Wales roads. Hello. So if you're driving and illegally handle your mobile phone, you can stop it or cop it. I was such a young age. Everything changed. My name is Chloe. When I was 13, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. When I found out, I just didn't know how to react. I felt like everything was just kind of closing in on me. It just became a routine. Dad's doing chemo. I'd come home from school, wait for mum to finish work, and we'd go straight to the hospital, spend a few hours there, just draw. It was hard to navigate going to school. Hundreds of kids, and I was the only one with a dying dad. He was diagnosed in March and then he died in October. Towards the end, I heard about Canteen. It kind of felt nice to know that they had other people like me. They understood what I was going through and we didn't even have to chat about cancer. In 2020, I became a youth ambassador so I can help others the way they helped me. I've done so many things since I was 13. I've graduated high school, university, gotten my license, made a move across the country. Life now is just a whole lot more fun. Please give a gift today to support more young people like me experiencing cancer. When I had my heart event close to four years ago, I was at the gym, thought I deserve a coffee, and thought I'll top up with fuel, ordered a coffee. But while I was pumping fuel, I started to get chest pains. Then it got worse and worse and worse. So then I was leaning on the counter thinking, yeah, something's not quite right. So then I went to wait for the coffee and that's when it really, really hit. And Joy just, you know, mouthed, do you need an ambulance? And I remember nodding. I wasn't even thinking about a heart attack. I just thought, something is seriously wrong with me here. 
So when the cardiologist came to see me, she informed me that I'd had what they call a widowmaker heart attack. Bit of a shock when someone says, you know, you nearly died. <laughs> Everybody should be aware of all the symptoms of a heart attack that women can have that aren't typical of the shoulder pain, the right arm pain. I go to the gym, I do yoga, Pilates, I swim, I go on bike rides, and yet I still had a heart attack. You just don't know it could be you. It's time to switch on today's News Talk Radio. Very entertaining. TNT. You're listening to me, Kate Shamarani, for TNT Radio Live, and you're like, oh, God, this is depressing. Well, it's not, because I'm all about empowering you. You're in the natural nurse army now. You should have already be having your celery juice every morning. You should be out there earthing on the lawn. You should be having as many fresh fruits and vegetables as you possibly can consume. You should be getting out in the midday sun when your shadow is short. Strip off. Nobody cares what you look like. They're only going to look for five seconds. They don't care. Get out there. Get some sunshine. It's, it's going to give you life. It's going to give you health and you're going to need it. And this wonderful vehicle, your body, is going to carry you through life to experience all that is out there. And it really is a beautiful world. It's just that there's there's some turds that have floated to the top that are trying to take over. And uh, you know what? For every force, there is always an equal and opposing force. And out of every single storm will come something good. Now, I have got a wonderful guest on today, Gail McRae. She's my sister in nursing. And um, there are gorgeous nurses to look at like myself, not just the fat ones that you see on the TikTok videos. Um, but we want to see a change in nursing. We want to see nursing go back to what it was, where, where nurses were patient advocates. And so we can keep talking about what's happened what they're doing in these places. But the best thing is that we create a new system out of the ashes and the public will drive it. The public will drive it. We take the power out of their hands. And I know that Gail is for that because she, she's a mom. She turned her back. She didn't need to go along with with what she was being told. I mean, all the nonsense. <laughs> I'm just going to say a couple of things. Act like you've got it, even if you don't have a symptom. Have you ever had diarrhea without a symptom? Have you ever had a headache without a symptom? No, you get a symptom. So this is all nonsense. We're sitting here today coming to you as able-bodied, healthy people. So it's easy for us to say, well, we're not going to end up in the hospital. What if some well-meaning member of the public or family member phones the hospital, phones an emergency vehicle, and we end up in the hospital. Well, then what? Well, Gail, Nurse Gail, has told us about something really wonderful during the break. Gail, tell us about that protocol that patients can have on your website, because what you've done is turned a really bad situation around and you're empowering patients. And this is what we need. So tell us what you've done. 
Absolutely. Well, I've gotten myself involved in all kinds of really exciting things. Uh, the one that I think is very profoundly important for the families to be aware of is that there are legal documents now available that you can fill out and take with you to the hospital to protect your loved ones. Uh, the website that I'm referring to is uh, Protocols Kill. Dot com. It's P-R-O-T-O-C-O-L-K-I-L-L-S.com. They have a document on that website that has been used with 100% success in adult populations and engaging with hospitals who are uh, exercising overreach. So for instance, I do a lot of advocacy work now where I actually uh, engage with the hospitals on the patient's family's uh, behalf as an advocate in order to protect them from hospital overreach. Well, uh, just tell us what I, I know what it is because I've seen it used here and it's terrifying. Tell, tell us what hospital overreaches. Now uh, they have implemented, they've turned hospitals basically into prisons where uh, they take full authority over your rights and you do not have the right to refuse. Uh, even in a, in experimental use authorization settings, uh, they are forcing patients, uh, even through court orders, to uh, take experimental drugs, uh, not to allow family members to the bedside when a patient is hospitalized. Uh, so that, in my professional opinion, is, is no longer patient-informed care. That's totalitarian dictator uh, messaging. So, and unfortunately that's become a majority of the hospital, uh, experiences that Americans are having is that we no longer have rights. So, uh, there's a website to access a legal document called protocolkills.com. It's P-R-O-T-O-C-O-L-L-S-K, sorry, P-R-O-T-O-C-O-L-L-K-I-L-L-S dot com protocolkills.com and they have a document called uh, caregiver and consent document and we've had a hundred percent success with this document and what that means is that when you fill that document out and have it signed uh, the hospitals can then no longer uh, refuse to allow family members into the bedside uh, they can no longer uh, require you to take drugs without informed consent without consent and uh, it protects you when, uh, so we've had a 100% success rate with this document when it comes to going to court. So the doctors and hospitals will say, we'll try to take the patients to court to mandate that they receive remdesivir when they want um, ivermectin or, uh, or remdes or, um, or uh, uh, hydroxychloroquine. So the hospitals at that point now, they're uh, with this document in hand are being forced to comply with the patient and family wishes rather than being strong armed by the hospitals to take the experimental remdesivir. So it's a powerful tool. Um, in addition to that, I'm involved in a, several other organizations uh, doing advocacy work. One of them is called Remnant Nursing. Uh, we're in the, in the process of transitioning over to um, our name change into Remnant Practitioners. But uh, it's an organization of, of practitioners who have come together uh, to develop a private parallel healthcare infrastructure. In addition to that, we, we offer advocacy support. So uh, you pay um, a, a monthly or annual free fee to be a member of this organization and then you get access to all of our resources so that's an advocate um, 
treatment. Uh, we are all educated uh, in uh, homeopathy, uh, functional medicine, herbalism, uh, alternative methods of, of medical treatment that are widely being suppressed by uh, the pharmaceutical companies. But uh, that is what we believe to be the future of medicine is in private parallel healthcare and returning to uh, mother nature for the answers. Because on it, at the end of the day, these, these pharmaceutical medications are, you know, they're derived from petroleum byproducts produced by uh, the Rockefellers and uh, the big, big corrupt uh, families who don't really have any interest in wellness. It's a symptom management uh, system rather than a wellness system, which I know, Kate, you uh, are fully on board with. So are we. Uh, I also am, am uh, affiliated with a few other very powerful organizations. One of them is called uh, the Former Feds Group which is an organization that was started to gather uh, expert witness testimony from family members whose loved ones were medically murdered. So uh, we are gathering evidence and litigating. So they have attorneys all over the United States. Uh, we are also working uh, internationally uh, because it really doesn't matter which country you're from. These are human rights violations and we intend to uh, prosecute for crimes against humanity. So uh, these, uh, the, the former feds group is gathering uh, evidence of, of medical murder. Uh, so if you or your loved ones were uh, severely damaged by hospital protocols and medical overreach, please do check out that uh, organization. And the last one is actually the exact same thing, but for the medical professionals. So in addition to having trouble in, in court uh, for processing crimes against humanity of the against the patients, we're also having trouble with litigation um, proving that in fact these are crimes against humanity and that's where really we need the experts to step up because uh, we keep getting into court and the judges say throw out the case and say well we don't have um, we haven't established the fact pattern that covid is killing that the COVID vaccines are killing people, for instance. So um, this organization, StandFirmNow.org, uh, this one I'm actually a board member and a founding uh, member. It's an organization set up to gather expert witness testimony. So once we compile thousands of medical expert witness signed affidavits, the affidavit has already been created. It's on our website. It takes five minutes to fill out and then you have to get it notarized. Uh, if we gather thousands of these expert witnesses uh, as proof, what that does in the United States court system is it allows us to enter into court um, within something uh, called um, uh, a negative averment, which basically it flips the verdict. So instead of walking into court as being innocent until proven guilty. Now we're walking in with thousands of experts saying they are guilty unless we can be proven that they're innocent because we- Well, I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I really commend you on all of this. Just to be uh, the party pooper cynical, I'm just throwing this one in. It's a bit really for me, like, you know, going into the gas chambers and knocking knocking on the door and saying, I don't like the smell of that stuff in here and it stops me breathing. Um, 
and complaining to the one that's pumping it in, the pumping the gas in. We're talking about a judicial system that's all linked. These, we're talking Freemasons for a start. Oh, she said it, Freemasons. We're talking Freemasons, uh, whether it be the judicial system, the medical system. And it's very difficult when you come again, up against these big boys because they'll, they'll ruin you, basically. They'll, they'll ruin you, they'll ruin your family, they'll take everything. And that is exactly what happens. I mean, in the UK, there's a, a whistleblower, doctors. I've, I've been shown it. I've been shown the flowchart that will lead them to suicide. Yep, there is an actual recognized way that they do it to lead them to suicide. Um, so for me personally, I, I'm a bit more of the, um, you know, why go to them? We know that the vaccine's killed. We know that the, it, it's not even death by medical intervention. It's somebody, somebody was the one who injected that patient. They didn't have to do it. It doesn't matter that it was it was a mandate. It doesn't matter that it was a protocol. Somebody did it. Uh, and I, I personally believe you go after the individuals. You go after that individual and all of their assets. And you just do it like that. I've named, but, uh, I've named 10 of them on my own personal lawsuit that I filed. Uh, the judges are, again, trying to illegally throw my cases out. Uh, but they will not prevail. And... Uh, that's an, another very fun discussion we could have, Kate, about uh, legal standing. Uh, so I've done a lot of work. My husband is now, the man went from uh, a licensed civil engineer to now a um, training attorney. Uh, wow. And we are going at them with both barrels. Uh, so what I've learned is that there are ways to navigate these systems based on standing. And there are ways to engage with the courts that change how they can um, project their authority over Abs you. Oh, absolutely. You have to know so their I'm language, their Black's Law. You have to know their language. Yes. I'm Gail, we're, we're, Gail we're, coming to, we're coming to the end. I would really like you to come back and tell us um, victories. We need we need good news. And, you know, when folks, when everything starts going down, the Lord will raise the women. He'll raise the women to fight. If y'all blokes don't get off your behinds and do what needs to be done, because this is, it is it's not going to get any better. They're going to keep pushing it. They're going to keep pushing with everything they've got. And I and I think Gail would agree. And while ever they have got nurses and doctors who are willing to murder, which is what it is, when asked, they they did it willingly for 30 pieces of silver. Um, they're going to keep doing this. Whatever they've got ones that will do it, they'll keep coming at you. And it takes a very brave person. Gail, you are that woman. And I commend you for not only um, saying no, but for using the best weapon of really all, all of it, which is the weapon of attack, you and your husband. And uh, I, I ask the Lord to protect you always. So you've been listening to me, Kate Shimarani, for TNT Radio Live, natural nurse in a toxic world. It is a beautiful world out there, but it's a bit toxic at the moment. But there are some really good people in it. And you've been listening to Gail McRae, a real true nurse. So for the rest of you fat, 
TikTok dancing, uh, donut loving with your food parcels, nurses who willingly injected patients to keep your mortgages paid, uh, we're coming for you. Sorry, if you've murdered someone, you're going to pay in this life. And if not in this life, the next. But you can't get away for it because you signed your name in the controlled drugs book. So anyway, have a fabulous weekend. Join me next week when we'll be discussing some more medical crimes in Tyrannical Times. Send me an email, Kate Shimarani uh, at tntradio.live. And I'll bring you everything. I'll bring you the truth. Until next time, have a good weekend.